Hey everyone, Bill Giannone back again, and I welcome you to part three of our four-part blog series on measuring up, how to use the right KPIs to determine the success and value of your business. Today, we're going to talk about production. Once again, before I start, my little disclaimer, if this is the first time you're joining this series, I urge you to go back and um, review and listen to Volume one, because I'm talking about marketing there. And volume two, I talk about sales. I just think it makes more sense if we go in order because some of the things I've addressed in the previous blog will make today's blog a little more sensible as well. Today, we're going to talk about production. We've marketed for the job and we've sold the job. We've got it signed and now we're ready to do that work. That's all great. How do we judge the effectiveness of our guys in the field. The first thing we don't ever want to do is say, well, by observation. Number one, as an owner of this company, I hope your goal is to be out on fewer and fewer jobs as the company grows. You know, I work with some companies that did six jobs a month when I started working with them, and they're up to 30, 35 jobs a month now. The owner used to be out on every job, basically signing the job of doing the demo and helping to put the invoice together. Now at 30, 35 jobs, he barely knows the names of the clients, no less isn't able to go out to see a lot of the work. So that became difficult for him because he would come back and he would be able to answer me directly. Oh, the guys are great. They're doing a great job out there. That was firsthand knowledge. He was viewing it, but he also wasn't giving me any information that made any sense. It was so subjective. Believe it or not, your staff and people in general never want to be judged subjectively. Even if they're your friends, they don't want to be judged subjectively. Let me give you two reasons why. Number one, if they're your friends, you might think they're doing real well in spite of the fact that they're not. So you're not being fair to them in allowing them to learn and to do better. We owe it to our staff, our employees, our coworkers to be able to give them accountability, to be able to give them goals and expectations, and then to be able to train and adapt when necessary. So if you're a really good friend of somebody, you're not going to have that honest, non-biased opinion of their work. That's actually hurting them in the long run. That's number one. Number two, the other thing that they know is that at some point, that relationship might turn for whatever reasons. Maybe your wives start getting into a disagreement with each other and you're no longer going out to dinner as four people. All of a sudden now, how do you now start critiquing their work when before, because of your friendship, you never did? You can't get anywhere with that. You can't flip that switch and now say, now it's time for me to be a real objective, critical thinker. No, we can't do that. So you have to eliminate subjectivity for all purposes. You have to be able to analyze somebody in spite of what you feel about them. I mean, this has happened to 
to me even, and I'm somebody who, by my own admission, does not get very emotionally involved or does not allow my emotions or subjectivity into a lot in my business world. But I have fallen prey every once in a while to situations where I've allowed my personal opinions and feelings to alter what is the factual mindset of something. I'll give you an example. I was helping out a company years ago, and I was there quite a bit. And I was trying to assess the value of the crew chiefs. And there was one guy there who, he was very quiet. He got along with everybody, but not too well. He did his job, but he didn't really come in and talk. He just kind of put his head down and did his thing. I couldn't really read it. I couldn't tell if it was arrogance, conceit, or just shyness. So I kind of let it go, but it didn't rub me the right way. When the owner was talking to me about the cruise, I kept saying, well, this gentleman's going to be a problem. I could just tell you. Now, mind you, we were not doing analysis yet. This was just gut instinct. When I finally got all the data and I did the analysis, you know what ended up happening? I ended up finding out that that gentleman who I had such negative subjective feelings about was the best producer of all the, at the time the company had four different crews, he was the best crew chief of the four. From the metrics we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes, he was the best performer of anybody in the bunch. I never allowed that to enter into my mind until I had the data. So I started with a negative aspect. And that was a mistake on my part, which I'm trying to help you guys avoid. Don't allow your gut feelings about somebody to take root until you have that data that either supports it or refutes it. In my case, it refuted it. And I'm kind of glad because he turned out to be a really, really big asset as the company grew. He soon became a supervisor over the crew chiefs. So that was a really good lesson for me to practice what I preach about using really good objective KPIs. Okay. What are those really good objective KPIs? The first place I want to start is with gross profit margin. We know what we should be making on a job if we do the job correctly. But your crew leaders and your production crews in general can really sway that. We all know the way Xactimate works. Xactimate is kind of like a unit pricing model. So when we're taking out drywall and trim and flooring, it's either a square foot, a linear foot, or a cubic foot kind of calculation, right? And it, there's a what we call a rate of production that's implied in each of those lines. They're basically telling us how fast they expect our guys to work. If you'd like some more clarity about that, I'm going to make sure that I do another blog at some point to talk about rate of production. Okay, I'm going to do that. But let me just suffice it to say, in every line item, it's in there. Your crews should be able to work at least as fast, if not faster, than what Xactimate allows for, for their specific tasks. If they can do that with a minimal amount of labor and with a maximum amount of effort, you're going to make more money. Your profit's going to be higher. First of all, in order to gauge a gross profit margin, you have to make sure that you're counting the proper things towards what your job costs are. So let's talk about that first. Hopefully you guys have a pen and pencil, a pen and paper with you. If you don't, 
pause it right now, go get something to write with. And I come back to me because I want to make sure that you're able to write these things down. So many guys I work with in our industry do not track their job costs properly. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Here's how we track job costs. All your labor on the job, starting with the cost of sending out the salesman to sign the job up. All labor costs. That should be pretty simple. If you're doing it right, and most companies today do, you're tracking your labor on a weekly basis by assigning their time to a specific job. They don't clock in at eight and clock out at five and just say, I worked for nine hours. If there are guys on cruise and they're going to two or three jobs, they should be clocking in and out during the day as they move from job to job. That's really important. Second, any fuel costs, vehicles that you're sending out there, any dump fees. If you took demo and you're going to take it to the dump, any of those fees have to be included. Any materials you use, plastic, lay flat, filters, PPE, all of those hard costs for consumables or materials. Any subcontractors, if you needed an electrician to come out and wire some junction boxes to the main panel because you have a lot of equipment on the job, if you have a plumber who has to come out and detach a water heater, all those invoices, those are all cost of goods or what we call job costs. Commissions also count as job costs. You wouldn't be paying them if you didn't get the job. So those are direct costs to the job. Okay. There might be one or two others that happen on a job here or there, but those are the general ones that you're going to see on most of your jobs. They all have to go in. You need to be able to assess what that gross profit margin is for your company. And then you need to be able to do that for each project manager and or crew leader. Somewhere you should have software that identifies who the supervisor is. If you're using Dash, like I mentioned in my last podcast, Dash has the ability for you to assign a supervisor to a job. So you can get the information for each project sorted by the supervisor. You can look up all his jobs and see what his profitability is on average. Yes, these programs do that. If you would like, I have Excel programs that I've created that do the same thing. They require some input and some regular updating of the data that goes in, but they give you all of these metrics. Please drop me a line and I can share those with you as well. But it's really important you're tracking that. And just as an aside, I'm going to do other blogs on what your target should be, but this one's about how to measure it. That number should be around 70% minimum for water damage, residential, non-program work. You should be making a 70% profit. Okay. So number one and most important thing is we have to measure the gross profit margin. I mentioned it slightly before, but you also have to measure how much time the crew is spending on the project doing demo, extraction, cleaning, and equipment setup. You can measure that really, really easy if you're clocking everybody's hours because it's in your T-sheets or it's in your timesheets or whatever you're doing that you're currently using for your crew clocking in and out of jobs, you should have that number. The easiest way to 
determine how well they're doing is compare that number to the number in Xactimate. You can run a report at the end of every Xactimate invoice, and you could run a labor summary. The labor summary will tell you exactly how many hours you got paid for your invoice. Those hours better be higher on the invoice than your actual labor hours from your company. We like to track them so that we can gauge that from job to job so we know which guys do that much better. I think that's a really, really important way to do it. Next, how many five-star reviews are your crews getting? You can make this a contest where sometimes if you have guys who are really good at asking the homeowner to fill out reviews, they're going to get a lot more five-star reviews. But nonetheless, if they're able to talk homeowners into giving five-star reviews, there's a really good chance that they are doing really, really good work. So count that number up. And obviously, the guys who get more reviews, generally speaking, are the guys who are much better at customer relations, which in the end, it's not a tangible number I could tell you what that relates to or translates to in your bottom line, but you're definitely making more money if people like your cruise. Those are three really, really important ways for you to have KPIs, key performance indicators, that you can tell your crews, here's what we expect of you. And then when you sit down with them every month, you review the last month and you give them proposals for, you know, slight changes and stuff. But all that comes out of what we just talked about. It all comes out of measuring properly. Some other things you might want to do that really don't have as much of a solid number to them, but they are a little subjective, but can be measured as well, is put somebody in charge of assessing the cleanliness of the equipment the trucks, and the warehouse, okay? Sometimes something's got to give. I'm here to tell you, don't ever let them compromise on the trucks or the equipment. We never want to show up to a home with a dirty truck. If the homeowner walks outside, what they see inside the truck is what they should expect their house to look like. If the inside of our truck looks like a mess, guess what they're going to believe? That we're going to make their house a mess. If the inside of our truck is organized and clean, they're going to think we're very meticulous and we're going to be clean by them. Same with our equipment. We would never in a million years want to bring dirty, disgusting, used equipment into a job site. That just reflects very poorly on us as a company. So if there's a really busy surge and you really can't get to your work, we can't compromise those things. That has to be part of their routine. No matter how tired they are, no matter how stressed they are, if you have to bring in extra people just to help clean equipment and trucks, you have to do that. That's a sacrifice you must do because the bottom line is going to be affected if you don't have those. I can make an argument. Most of the homeowners and most of our clients are never going to walk into our warehouse. So if our warehouse is kind of falling into a little bit of a disrepair mess, we can put up with that for a short period of time. We can't compromise those other two. But it's a good idea to have some sort of goal. Make them at least score an 8 out of 10 on the person you put in charge to be an assessor of the quality of the cleanliness. That's a really good way as well. They need to take pride in their own work. 
It's not enough to just do well by the client. They have to do well by you as well. That's true teamwork. Now, remember, just like everybody else in the company and every other part of this process, you can't expect them to meet these KPIs and meet the standards you're setting unless you tell them what those standards are. You have to be able to say to them, I expect you to go out and I expect you to do the work. And at the end of the month, all those jobs, I expect you to do 70%. I expect you to perform faster than Xactimate. You should be able to tell them exactly what those numbers are. I don't think that's an unfair realization. I think the days of the owner being very quiet and private about numbers is over. If you want people to be held to a standard, you have to give them that standard. If you don't, if they don't know the target they're shooting at, how can they shoot? If you bring somebody into a bar and you want to play darts and you put a blindfold on them and you tell them, all right, start playing darts. How does he even know where the dartboard is? No less trying to shoot. You could hurt a lot of people and you're certainly not going to call them a valued asset to your team. Well, let's do the same here. Let's take the blindfold off. Let's give them the target that they're shooting for. And then let's help them develop the skills to hit that bullseye. Thanks for joining me for part three of this four-part blog series on measuring up. The next one and the last one is going to be about invoicing and collections. On behalf of everyone at the Crest Network, I want to thank you so much for joining us on this one. You guys have a great day. This is Bill Giannone, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.